up, sports fans, and welcome back to Low Expectations, the Gruder Golf Podcast, brought to you by the No Laying Up Podcast Network. Tonight on the ones and twos, you've got Kiki. Hey. And me, Jenny. And we will be joined in a moment by um, a really, really fantastic guest, um, Aaliyah Clark, um, a one of the coolest mid-end players um, that we know, and actually technically one of the coolest mid-end players in general because she was the runner-up at last year's mid-am um and we have a really rollicking conversation with her um she's really really cool <laughs> in general she's um, adorable yeah she's first of all adorable second of all a genius um yeah. she's not only like working for mckinsey but she's also like really good at golf and um doing a double major a double masters program is that how you say it yeah double, <laughs> double masters double MFA, masters MBA. program at nyu um, so just a really, really overall cool, wonderful person. We think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I don't think we have any announcements right now. Do Honestly, we? she gives a lot of good life advice. So much good life advice. Actually, yeah. And she's only advice. 26. So <laughs> your wise. face was just so, so earnest when you said that she's only 26. Well, she is. Um, Jen asked her to so mentor yeah. her. Genuinely. I really hope that she does mentor me. I need some of her her wisdoms, I think. Um, but yeah, yes. she's just a true ray of sunshine. I think that you guys will absolutely love hearing from her. Um, we don't have any events coming up, so there's no more housekeeping. So without further ado. Well, well there's yeah. different housekeeping. There's a special what, feature wait, what, what, what coming out. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, you guys will see that definitely. Because I feel like the ride or die is like, listen um but we'll release a little teaser actually we will give some insider info because yeah um because people should be rewarded for listening to the podcast um because we share important news um so a few weeks ago no laying up uh came out to bogey nights and recorded a little something which actually i, th- I think we did mention last week yeah but we saw an edit it, of yeah. it this week we saw an edit of it yesterday and it and brought me a level of joy that i didn't know was possible <laughs> I think I hope it brings Jen, joy to the world. Honestly, it's Jen's really true comedic start, in my opinion. I know, but I shouldn't have sworn so much, though. I think you I, did swear mom, a lot, a lot of swearing mad at from me. Jen. But because we were on a golf course, like I, it turns out, of, like I swear on a golf course. Yeah, a lot did I swear of in the interview? Uh, fucks flying around. <laughs> I got to work on that. That might be a New Year's resolution for me this year to clean it up. <laughs> Um, I loved even, it. Even though we've gotten positive reviews yeah, actually, I'm swearing before. <laughs> we talk about this all the time. People, we people say like that we <laughs> we say that we are like, ooh, yeah, we shouldn't do that. And then we're like, eh, but that's how we talk. And people like it. People do seem to like it. We've gotten compliments on them. Like, you know, they swear, but it doesn't sound like it's forced. And it's like, yeah, because it's not forced. That's how I'm feeling at the moment. <laughs> Anyways, of, can't wait for you all to see it. It's yeah, a, you're it's a delight. It. It's a true delight. And I just had Kiki agree to. So you might have noticed um, past few weeks, you know, we got summer travel going on. You know, Kiki's one place. Haley's another place. We got vacations. We got weddings, et cetera. However, in mid-September, we will all three of us be back in action um, for a reunion episode. And um, I think that we should stream it live on the internet. Yeah, we will. We're so do we'll it. be releasing uh info about that when when it's available i don't know how to do it yet so we're gonna have to kind of work on the tech tech behind that but but yeah so should we actually without further ado Aaliyah, 
Yeah. Okay. Without further ado, Aaliyah. Thanks, Love guys. It. We've lately been doing like not really like an official start, you know, because I feel like we're always chatting with the guest first and then, you know, and then we're first of all, it. honored to be your first choice of guest receiving a text at 8 a.m. asking <laughs> what I was doing tonight makes me feel super special hey, and I'm honored to be here. Lately. Okay. Hey. If you can believe it, Aaliyah, like you actually were our first choice. We just haven't <laughs> been planning too far out this summer just because everyone's schedules changed so much. Our schedules are ever evolving. So I was like, Kiki, can you record tonight? She was like, yes. And I was like, who should we have as a guest? And she's like, what about Aaliyah? And I was like, that's a fantastic <laughs> guest idea. First so, choice. You were the first I'll choice today. Know. First choice today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Once again, deeply honored. <laughs> Wait, so let everybody know. You were just telling us about your fun little night that you had, but let us everybody, the listeners know where you're calling in from today. I am calling in from my apartment near NYU in New York City. Um, I left my apartment in New York City on May 18th to intern for a consulting firm in Atlanta, and I just got back yesterday, and I was really thrilled to see that the apartment was still here, because you never know. There's construction next door, and I was like, oh, this is great. My stuff's still here. A great relief. Wow. So you've been been down there the whole entire summer. You never came back once? Yeah, I canceled three trips back. It's really hard to play golf in New York. I was having a ball down there. And, you know, it's like, why, why schlep back up north? Uh, yeah. But it's nice to be back now, now that I'm here. I've had some fun, some fun days catching up with friends. Yeah. Well, wait, actually, we have a listener question that pertains to your time in ATL. Um, and figure we'll just get it out there right now. I heard that oh. you had a really favorite, quote unquote, home course down there that you loved playing at um, <laughs> around 6 a.m. every day. So if you want to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I'd be happy to. So the reason that I am able to compete at the level that I am, given that I have worked full time the past two summers, is because the city of Atlanta has a lovely course called Browns Mill. I like to call it Browns Mill Country Club. I do not like to stop at any gas stations in about a five mile radius, but the golf course itself is really exceptional only course in the metro Atlanta area that's open before 7 a.m. in the summertime. I'm friends with everyone in the clubhouse. My guy Ron hooks it up. I bring him coffee sometimes. Um, And I can tee off in the summer at 6.12 and I can be at work by 9.30. So it's a pretty exceptional situation. And I think it cost me $10. I'm not sure if they charge me anymore. It's really nice of them. So (laughs) Brownsville Country Club is is what I call it. Uh, But it's, it's a city course. Really, it's it's a really special place to me, and I, I practice there all the time. I've been looking at a couple different clubs to potentially join somewhere when I move to Atlanta full time, but it's really hard to beat six a.m. ten dollars, and the greens. Yeah, so if I can I get above an eight, I'm pretty happy. But you just got to hit it close because uh, lag lag putting practice there is not not excellent. <laughs> just got to hit it close. Wait, so yeah. what time do you go to sleep at night then? Uh, <laughs> Next question. It depends on whether or not I'm I'm employed by McKinsey at the time, but I try to go to bed if I'm going to practice in the morning. I So in the summer, I would try to practice at least three weekdays at some point during the day, even if it's just for 30 minutes. And I try to get out there in the morning at least twice a week. And if I, I do that, I try to go to bed before before 12 the night before. So I'm, I'm a reasonable person. Yeah, that's reasonable. That's re- do you get yeah, tired? That doesn't seem like enough <laughs> sleep. Yeah. yeah, wait, so three I, day, three mornings or at like a week, 6 a.m., working for McKinsey, like, I mean, I don't know, we'll get into that a little bit, but I can't imagine that that's like, you can just cut out at five, right? Like, 
Probably working no, pretty late. Not necessarily. I was pretty lucky this this summer, but uh, um, no. But if you think about it, I like to get on average eight hours of sleep a night. So that's fifty six hours in a week, right? Eight times seven, and so you just move around the nights that you get more and less. And if you stick around that fifty to fifty six average, you're generally fine, and it's pretty sustainable for a few weeks in a row. All right, I business do school. Think that that's actually true. <laughs> that's such a business yeah, school answer. Like, yeah, if you get five hours two nights a week, as long as you're offsetting that with like a good sleep in on a Saturday or a Sunday. I actually okay. do feel that. People say that that's not a thing, but I agree with you. I think you can Thank make you. it up if you sleep in on the weekends or go to bed early the next time. I feel like you even it out. Yeah. I think if, yeah, and you have to pick how many, it's like doing that eight weeks in a row is not great, but maybe right. like six weeks in a row, you're fine. Yeah. That's why I, we have those long weekends. I probably conflate just like staying up late with like going out or something. And then obviously like <laughs> alcohol is involved. So it's like, you can't do that. But if you're not <laughs> drinking, you maybe, maybe you can. Well, it's, Aaliyah's yeah, it's, also it's, 25. It's really just being so like, that's true. That's true. Different. Those, those six years will do something to you. Different. But actually I think you'll be fine though. Honestly, I don't, yeah, I don't I think do I'm too. worried about you really just like health wise, otherwise in general. <laughs> It's just me and my Lenovo like patting a large glass of water at midnight, crunching out those pages. You know, it's okay. <laughs> I wish it was more fun than that, Jen. I really do. <laughs> okay, well, okay. Let's get into then. I'm trying to think of where where to go because I obviously want to talk about Atlanta. A big, big, huge fan of Atlanta. Um, but I think let's start with NYU and what you're doing there because that's all pretty fascinating too. So tell us a little bit about your program and how you chose it and what's what's going on. Yeah, I think that's fun. And then there is a fun fact that comes out of that. So I went to undergrad at UCLA. I did play golf. And when I say I played golf, God bless my coach, Carrie. She really put up with me trying to make the D1 elite, incredible UCLA women's golf program like a D3 experience. I interned pretty much every semester. I would always make it to practice on on time despite living in the sorority house. And I, I only had to kind of futz with my schedule one quarter out of all of them. But I, I really only played for the team about two and a half years. Um, so I, I, I really appreciated UCLA for putting up with me with that. But I loved my, my UCLA experience. Go Bruins forever. Coach Alicia and Coach Kerry were fantastic. So after that, I worked in Hollywood for a few years and uh, worked at a talent agency, worked on set. And then I found my way to NYU where I am getting my MBA at the Stern School of Business and my MFA in filmmaking at Tisch School of the Arts. So it's a three-year dual master's program. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. Be a master in two things. Just crazy. Casual. So <laughs> because I'm crazy. in this, <laughs> because I had three years of school, which by the way, like lawyers go to school for three years, film school and business school is a, a different level of time demand. So I, I had some, some extra time on my hand after I started playing golf again. And I am friends with the NYU golf coach. Um, and after I played in the mid-am, I guess we're kind of going out of order here, but I started playing golf again when I turned 25. It was COVID. I had time to. Browns Mills open at 6 a.m. There we go. Um, and the NYU coach slid into my DMs on Instagram and was like, hey, you got any eligibility left? And I was like, well, kind of. I don't think I was rostered my last uh, quarter at UCLA that spring championship season because I graduated early. She was like, great, let's find out. So we petitioned the NCAA. And because I had enrolled at NYU in 2020, your clock or whatever starts when you enroll at the school, not when you start playing the sport. So I was eligible for the COVID extension year because I'm 
was 24 when I enrolled. I had only graduated two years prior. So I fit in my like pushed out timeline. So wow. I played for a semester D3 golf for NYU. So I don't, I don't know how many other people have played both D1 and D3 golf, but it was a fun experience. That's Especially a wild being, technicality. Yeah. <laughs> 26 playing with 19 year olds was more of a wild technicality, but you know, <laughs> that was a good time. I, I learned about be real before all of my friends. <laughs> Honestly, I was on, a big deal. I was featured in be reals like March of last year. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, <laughs> I, know. I hadn't even heard of it yet. I know. <laughs> Just goes to show you those young folks. They, they, they get it. How many Wait, people so, were on the yeah. team? So uh, I believe there were seven-ish on the women's team and ten-ish on the men's team. Um, we'd all hang out in a big group, and it's like – it's D3, so people have class. So I think we were all together as a large group on our spring break trip, and that's it. You heard that right. I went to spring break with the NYU undergrad men's and women's golf team where we played Where'd in some tournaments. Go? Where? Where? <laughs> Um, we started in outside of Jacksonville at this resort called Hammock Beach, where we competed in a match play event where the temperature high was 40 degrees in Florida. That was really fun. We didn't do amazing. And then we went to Jekyll Island and played in another big event where we did better. But it was super fun to spend seven days with a bunch of 19 year olds I had just met. Um, I actually love them all so much. I still I still keep in touch with most of the girls and some of the guys are fantastic. Love it. Love it. That sounds <laughs> yeah. so fun. I'm thinking back to our college spring break and uh, <laughs> it was in Jamaica. <laughs> also, maybe 40 degrees, honestly. Wasn't, yeah. It was not warm. It was not nice out at all the entire no, week. it was um, so breezy. But wait, so you were saying – so your your NYU coach reached out. And also, give the fun fact about her too because that's a really yeah. good Shout out fact. Katie. Katie is amazing and – Pretty much the only reason I, I did it. She is Megagane's Ghane's swing coach, and she's super involved with the first Celebrity. tee. Yeah, Katie's incredible. Meg is incredible. Um, I adore. It, it's crazy how how much of Katie is in Mega too. It's it's really awesome. If you know Katie, mm-hmm. you know that means you know shoulders back, and you're walking around like you own the place. It's really amazing. Um, so it was it was fun. She just slid into my DMs, and and then I was on the NYU team after some some battles with the NCAA. It was really fun. So. That was awesome. So wait, that had happened after you were in the Mid-Am? Yes. So okay. the Mid-Am was last September, September 2021. Mm-hmm. And then Katie reached out kind of right after that. And then it took about three months to actually get Katie to talk about it in person. Like, could this happen? So we got a coffee and that was fun. Um, she's not very good at emails. And <laughs> she's a better texter. Um, you know, you, you always if, if you're on a college team, you know how to contact you have to figure out like how to contact your coach right like that's always a fun part that goes along with it um but yeah coach is awesome so that's how it happened and it was it was great wow yeah so, so you the, just I mean, decided the, last year was like the oh sorry go ahead kiki no i was just gonna say so you just decided once you picked up golf again during covid that you were like let's play in the mid-am so I think I was always built to be a mid-am player. It's kind of how I treated my D1 program like a D3 program. It's like girls on – when I was 13, I met a girl named Aria Jutanagarn, who is on tour now. Her sister Maria Jutanagarn is amazing. And her nickname is May. We call her May. And we did a practice round together for Junior Worlds when I was 13. And she hit her 
six iron, I think, as far as I hit my driver. And that was the day I realized I probably wouldn't play on tour, right? Like golf mm-hmm. for me was going to have to be a different part of my life because try as hard as I would. And, and I put the hours in. I was super disciplined. I was the last person on the range really often. But people like Allison Lee, who I played with in college, would maybe practice 20% of what I did and just go out there and whoop my butt, which is amazing. Like, I adore her for it. But I, I think I always knew, like, life on tour is maybe not for you, Aaliyah. Like, you can be good, but, but I don't think you should earn money doing this. Um, and I think that was a good realization to have at a young age, but it made college golf really difficult because I had this constant dissonance between spending so much time playing the sport that I super loved and was decent at, but always fighting for fifth spot on a really good team, right? So I didn't really understand. There was no Stuart Hadjistad when I was that age, right? Like I didn't understand that I could still be invo- involved with the sport at a at an elite level, but also have a career. And when I saw Stu start playing and stuff, and when I learned that I could play at a mid-am at, at 25, I was like, that that sounds great. I didn't touch a golf club for two years after UCLA. I just, I, I couldn't. I would play for fun, but I needed a break. And then working and being back in school, I just missed having something to be competitive at. Like I tried half marathons, I tried all this stuff, but nothing was the same as that feeling that you get when you're in contention or when you're on the first tee, you get that feeling in your in your tummy and you're just like, Ooh, like I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm in it, you know? <laughs> it's awesome. And, you know, I, I'm a pretty competitive person. Like my partner Sam knows that. My parents know that. And I think having an outlet like golf is the best place for, for me anyway. And it's just been an absolute dream to – be competitive at the sport at this level again, and also to have something to get up at, you know, 5.45 in the morning for three days a week and, and just really love going out there and, and doing it. So that's kind of a long answer to your question of when you turn 25, would you, you know, just start playing again? And I think had 18-year-old Aaliyah known that that was an option, I think college would have been a lot more fun for me and I wouldn't have been fighting um, my competing, you know, outlooks for my future so much. And I hope that me just truly having so much fun out there inspires other girls who maybe want a career and also want to be really good at golf because it's fantastic for so many other elements of life. I know Stu did that for me. And, you know, I really want to be Stu's friend, but I don't know, Stu. Um, Wait, will you talk about Stuart? Who is this man? Stuart Hodgestad. Yeah. Do, do you know who this is? No. Do you know who it is? I don't oh, know who it is either. Who is this? Tell, tell us all about this guy. Stu. Sounds great. Okay, so Stu. Stu. Well, reference Instagram. Stu. Jen and I are his like, ins- yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, Stu. Yeah, Stu. And then like, I was like, okay, I need to ask who Stuart is. <laughs> are you both in front of computers right now? So you can like yeah. Google image and get a visual to accompany okay. the story, which would be fun for all of us here. But um, at Stu is his Instagram and he has the blue check mark, but he's private. Like he's that cool. Um, wow. So, I didn't even know it was an option. Neither did I. <laughs> Just like, you know, mid-am golf. So Stu played at USC, I think, in undergrad, and then was living in New York, from my understanding, and I'm like not a biographer on this. I've just read a couple articles, and I'm a super fan. But um, I think he was working in finance in New York and then won the Mid-Am at 25 or 26. And when you're a guy and you win the Mid-Am, you like get to play in the Masters. So he decides, I think, to move back to California, where he's from. And, And I'm not positive on the timeline here, but he, I think, enrolls in a part-time MBA program at USC, something like that. And he just starts to practice a lot. And then he, like, makes the cut at the Masters. And 
plays in the U.S. Open and all these events. I think his world ranking is like six because everything in his wagger is just pro events, like, like majors that he's made the cut in, which is crazy. But wow, he's a super cool guy, works in finance, you know, and just in all of his interviews, people ask him about turning pro and, and he's like, no, I'm, I'll go back and have a career. This is just fun for now. And I super respect that. Um, Bobby Jones is an incredible amateur and, and Stuart Hatchestad is like right there. Wow. Yeah. Shout wow. out to Stu. If you guys yeah, can get Stu on here, that'd be sick. I mean, that's why can I was just help? thinking, I was like, I need to get him on here. It's also so funny that like, that a, he's verified as like, <laughs> so is he like one of the most famous amateur golfers, would you say? Like, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> if from anyone from the USGA is listening to this and also Stu, I hopefully am doing Stu a favor, but the men's mid-am had over 5,000 applications of players to try to qualify for it this year. That is an obscene record. To enter a USGA qualifier, you have to pay like between $150 and $200, depending on the quality of the tournament. Like, I would say over half of those number of people would not have, have entered before, you know, seeing Stu make the cut at the Masters and be this incredible wow. mid-amateur player. I think he's been really inspirational mm. for a lot of people. Plus, COVID has given folks more time to, you know, play and, and get out on the course. Mm. But it's just a whole kind of type of golf that I didn't know was an option. And I, I hope more, more juniors, you know, get involved in because it's really cool to have a job and have a career and also just have golf be the fun part. Like, it's a it's a game, you know? It's not like life or death. So, Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. That's crazy. I, I never even thought actually about like how many like guys I hear about trying to qualify for like the US Open or like the Mid-Am right. or whatever. Like so many. What is the, how many girls are usually <laughs> against you when you're trying to do that? Like oh, I know guys question. from work. I know guys from all over. They're like, oh yeah, this is the Mid-Am qualifier. And it's like, okay, like you probably aren't going to make it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> how many are in the 5,000 is a lot. For how many spots, right? For um, 156 spots, I think, is the field yeah. size. And then you have a couple people who are exempt. So you're, they're probably filling 120 spots with those 5,000. So, you know, I could do the math wow. fast, but we all know it's, it's not a lot. <laughs> uh, you, your odds are not amazing. But yeah, I have no idea how many women sign up for mid-am qualifiers. But the average field size is between 15 and maybe 30, 40 people at a site. Wow. I think there's like... 20 qualifying sites. I would be shocked yeah. if there were over 1500 people trying to qualify. And I just, that makes me so sad because I have so many friends I played in college golf with who, you know, play with their boss at work every once in a while or still enjoy to play with their partner or their friends. And it's like, you can also do that and, and have fun and be competitive. At the mid-end, for yeah. example, if we make it to match play, right? And you and I, Jen, both have five foot putt that maybe breaks roughly the same amount. Like we're going to look at each other and we're going to say, good, good. And we're going to move on. It, it, it's like it's it's a more fun level of golf you know you don't see that at the am yeah. at the am it's like you're gonna putt everything mm -hmm. over six inches like you putt that out um <laughs> it's it's like we're we're grown-ups now we can we can have fun and you're there's an open bar in the locker room like it's a good time wow really yeah wow okay yeah so take us through <laughs> take us through your mid-am experience like from like where where'd you play your qualifiers like how many rounds is it like the whole the whole kit and caboodle okay of the first one because you played do you play this year too um the the so I'm it exempt, but the mid am okay, itself right. is in a few weeks. It's in three weeks, so I'm in like peak mid am prep season. Um, Yay! My favorite week of the year. So, 
to qualify, I signed up for a qualifier back in California and I ended up, I prepped for it. I had done a practice round. I flew back there for it. Um, and it was at a course I'd played a lot in junior golf. So I just felt more comfortable there, but I was so nervous that I four putt the first hole and got a double. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. But I knew that historically, because I went through and took the averages of what it took for people to make the cut across all the qualifying sites the previous year. And I knew that if I broke like 78, I would likely be fine. So like, okay, you're two over through one. Like that's okay. You've got some strokes to play with here. And I ended up coming back and shooting one under and winning the qualifier, which was really great and super fun. Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah. So Hell yeah. that was a good time. And actually in my group in the qualifier, Wait, I played where, with this girl. Where was that? Where where was that? that? Country. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, Country Club of Rancho Bernardo, I think. Rancho Bernardo Country Club in San Diego, back where I'm from. Okay. And in my group in the qualifier, I played with this girl named Jennifer Peng, who we grew up together playing in San Diego junior golf. She played for Yale. And when we got to the mid-am, she would go on to shoot like eight under in two days and break all scoring records um, for the mid-am stroke play component and become the number one seed. Myself, however, when I get to the mid-am, oh my God, I was, it was so much fun, but I was so nervous. You know, it was great to see everybody Practice rounds were good. I played both practice rounds, all 18 holes, which looking back was a choice that I made. I I don't do that anymore. It's a lot of golf. Um, And then I ended up shooting 83 the first day. I just was like, oh my gosh, standing over the ball. It was so weird to be back in a tournament again. Like I was just so in my head about it. And my lovely partner, Sam Caddies for me. And she just kept trying to get me to, to calm down a little bit, but I just, I didn't and it happened. And so- I was really upset, but I knew that because this was the mid-am, I probably wasn't dead yet. Like, I was maybe in tie 99, but top 64 make the cut. Like, I could come back the next day. I really liked the golf course. I knew I could put up a good number. So the second day of stroke play, I go out there, and I'm one over through 17. And I'm standing on 18T, and 18T has water left and bunkers right. We're going to put a quick pin in this story, and I'll explain to you how I play a golf course. Every time I know I have to play a golf course in a competition, there's this website called Blue Golf. You can look up an aerial view of every hole. I go through and I count how many holes have water left. If there's less holes with water left than water right, I'll do great. I play any golf course to see how big my miss left can be, because if I don't see the ball going right to left, like I'm very unhappy. My miss is a bad hook. So 18 for reference water all the way up the left side, bunkers all the way up the right side. So I already don't love this hole, but I'll be smart. I hit a hybrid. (laughs) I have like, I hit a little right. I have, you know, 160 in or whatever. And for some reason, like I just picked the wrong, like it was kind of sitting in the rough and I chunked it and I hit it into a, a bunker and then I hit it into another bunker. And then I got a triple on the last hole. And I was like, oh, dear. But I teed off afternoon the first day. I maybe said something else, but I won't say that here. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. I like picture you saying that because like you're such a ray of sunshine. That, like I feel like that's how you would get angry. Like, oh, dear. I mean, I was like, well, at least I'm here. You know, I wasn't like in a classroom these days. This was lovely. Whatever happens, happens. I got a good attitude now. I'm not 18 anymore. So this is my, my scholarship in life don't depend on this. Um, so because I had teed off in the morning that day, it, it meant I had to wait for the entire field of girls to come in before I would know if I was anywhere near the cut line. And so, of course, I'm like sitting there in the locker room, like anxiously refreshing my phone. And Sam was like, absolutely not. So she took my phone away and we went to the we went to the pool at the hotel and I like did some prep for my consulting interviews. 
and while my phone was taken away and then I would like try to steal it every five minutes. So time passes, maybe two, three hours. And I'm like moving up. I'm hanging out around 75. And I was like, oh shit, not dead yet. Uh, Not great, but not dead yet. And I just like keep replaying the club selection and then like the chunked bunker shot and then the other bunker shot like in my head. (laughs) And it's like, this is unhealthy. Like, why did you do this? Meanwhile, (laughs) I also forgot to mention that when we had left the golf course first time, I went and cleaned out my locker. Nothing left in my locker. Took my shoes, took my towels. Like, I don't deserve to be here. I shot 83. I tripled the last hole. Sam's like, oh my God. So... I keep moving up the leaderboard, and then we see that one of my other friends who um, played Lexi Toth was on 17, and we're like, oh, we'll scoop back and we'll watch her last hole because she was maybe the third to last group. So we went back to the golf course. I, as a reminder, am in flip-flops, leave my clubs in the car. I go watch Lexi's last hole. When a rules official comes up to me, Sam still has my phone. She won't let me look at it. And the rules official is like, you're Aaliyah Clark, right? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you're in a playoff. And I was like, what? I don't think so. She's like, no, no, no. You will be like, if this group, whatever, there's a you know high likelihood, you might want to go put your shoes on. So I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. I'll go put my shoes on. So I run to the car. I put my shoes on. I like grab my golf bag. I come out, like have to tee off right away. It's a five for one playoff for the 64 seed. And I end up birdieing that hole won the playoff. It was super fun. Like didn't warm up at all before. I just walked out with my golf bag. It was like, it reminded me a lot of how I practice, right? It's like after work, you're trying to get five holes in, you just grab your bag and go. Like everyone was walking down the fairway. People had a beer. It was super chill. I wasn't nervous. I was just thrilled to be there. And then I had to go play my friend Jennifer who just like broke all the scoring records the next day. And that's the match, right? Cause I'm like the 64 seed. So it goes from like the super high of like, yeah, I made it to like, oh God, I have to go play Jen. And at this point, Jen and I had already registered for the USGA four ball, the like team tournament together as partners. So I had to go play my four ball partner who had just beat me by like, she was eight under. I was 11, 12, 13, 14 over, like 23 stroke difference. Like we had, we had in fact played the same golf course. Um, (laughs) I just, thinking about it still blows my mind, but, um, I ended up beating her one up on the last hole. I think I shot three under in the, like, we were both playing amazing. That's crazy. It was really fun. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And then I hugged her on the last (laughs) hole and I was just like, in my mind, as I I hugged her, I just like, I was like, I have, now I have to try to win because I just beat Jen and she's the one who does, like, it's so unfair. She doesn't get to be here, you know? And I still kind of think about that and it's like winning one up on 18, I think like I got a two putt par and she got a bogey. It's like it, it could have gone anyway. And because that happened and because I then made it to the finals and I then got all these incredible opportunities and exemptions, I got to play in the AM. It's like that, that was so lucky. I, you know, we both played amazing. And I'm so grateful that that was me. And every time I, I go out there, I'm like, okay, yeah, Leo, you're nervous. Yeah, maybe you're not as prepared as anybody else, but you're so lucky to be here. Like, do it for Jen, do it for yourself. Like she also could Aww. be here, you know? <laughs> so I try, I try to make her proud. I think I made her proud this year. <laughs> I told her that too. And she was like, sure. I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. That's such like a funny way to think about like, I mean, especially match play, right? Like just how it just is so dependent on like little things, you know? It's true. I yeah. mean, so much of golf, I guess, is little things. Golf is a game <laughs> of misses, you know? And a game of like centimeters. As a mid-am player, I think that's another way that my game has changed a lot that actually helped me a lot playing in the am at chambers bay it's like i don't 
expect myself to hit a great shot every time. I try to hit whatever the highest percentage shot. So if I miss, it's totally fine. And then if I hit the great shot, then that's amazing. And we're all thrilled. You know, like I just don't (laughs) practice enough as to have, you know, everything in the bag, like that perfect 40 yard flop shot. Like, are you kidding? Like I shake two chips out there. You think one way in the hole was great, but like these things happen. And I think having that different mentality is, uh, is key to, to being successful as a mid player. <laughs> I think everyone who goes out there and thinks they got all the shots they used to 10 years ago and they were spending their entire life playing golf is uh, sadly mistaken. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Wait, we also want to hear a little bit more about um, Sam being your caddy. Sweet Sam. Poor Sam. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Sam. <laughs> Wait, because, okay, so Sam never played golf really before, right? So Sam took up golf. A, we met on set in like December 2019, and uh, Sam had taken up golf about two months prior because Sam's goal was to play oh, with wow. her grandfather before he was like – couldn't play anymore. He was a big player. They had a place in Florida and she hadn't really grown up playing. So sadly that meant that I had no input over the first set of like terrible crap Wilson ladies, like plastic lefty clubs that they sell to women who are lefties who are like 0.5% of golfers, which are gone now. We got P790s. I'm thrilled. <laughs> but uh, those things were, I really didn't like going places with her with those. They were terrible. Um, we got rid of the driver after like a month. I was like, listen, like, you just, I can't. You're going nowhere fast <laughs> exactly. um, So Sam had just, so she had started before we met. And then we kind of bonded over golf a little bit as we started seeing each other. And then when things got more serious and I spent uh, the last two summers in Atlanta with Sam, also prepping for these tournaments. Luckily, Sam also got bit by the bug really hard. I remember early days of COVID, like the world is shut down, but Sam lives in Georgia and nothing exists in Georgia. So she's like out on a golf course because it's open um, in like March, 2020. She's like the only person out there has never been on a golf course before. Oh, and the other thing she did, if any beginners, it's like she bought these lefty Wilson clubs, which are terrible. And then she also, again, lives in the South. It's very sunny. She went to true what's it called golf tech the indoor thing where they put all the stuff on you and then they just show you numbers and she'd like never swung a golf club before so she is in this harness and the guy is like telling her about her shoulder angle and how where her backswing should be and i was like what are you doing like you have a golf course in the backyard of your apartment complex like go there oh my god uh, no no disrespect to uh golf tech i'm sure it's great but a, a brand new player just like wants to make contact and be happy they don't really care about their hip tilt um but anyway so yeah honestly I didn't know I didn't know any of the terminology like the first lessons yeah. I took I mean even still honestly if I take a lesson and even like, dude, oh, same. I just ask a lot oh, of cool. questions like if I don't know what they're talking about like the same like who's Stewart you know it's like who, what is that you know what I mean like talking about like when they're like open face closed face I was like what even are you talking about I have no idea what you're talking about <laughs> my first golf lesson I was like I don't know what you're saying but like I don't know how to tell you that I don't know what you're saying I think that is <laughs> so I can't even imagine being a hardest for that <laughs> and so I don't valid. know how to fix it even yeah. close no I mean, I've had the same coach uh, since yeah. I was 12, this lovely man named Kip Peterbaugh. He's wonderful. And Kip, that's a great name so for a coach. Great. I know. <laughs> Kip. 
Coach Kip. Amazing. Um, and I'll send him a video sometimes. So he'll be like, oh, like something's in doubt, whatever. And I was like, can you just like draw what it should be on the video? You know, <laughs> I've been playing golf a really long time <laughs> and I still don't know half the time what needs to happen. Um, but yeah, so Sam at least got into it. And then I was like, okay, you need to go outside. So by herself, having been to like three golf tech lessons, goes to play this course in Georgia called Stone Mountain. And if it's like difficult golf course. We there together. Extremely difficult. Very hard. A lot of water. A lot of water, a lot of trees. A lot of water. She didn't even know what the tee box was. Sam said she probably lost 55 golf balls that day because like she didn't know what on earth she was doing. Very narrow. Very narrow. Very narrow. Very beautiful. Yeah. So we had a little FaceTime tutorial on like where she should tee off from, how to use a tee. Which way she was going, <laughs> where not to drive the cart, um, and uh, it one. was it was really great. Yeah, After critical. maybe yeah, it, it I mean it is. They should teach people that. Um, but they should. After she went on the course maybe three times, she did not return to Stone Mountain for her second and third visit. She found a uh, executive course ten minutes from her house, which is much better. Um, she sent me a video. I guess she'd maybe played like three or four times at this point, And she had gotten a green in regulation, a grr. And uh, that meant there was birdie potential, wow. right? Like we're all about par potential for Sam. Like, do we have a par putt? Is it less than 40 feet? We are thrilled, right? But this was like <laughs> the first time she'd ever had a shot at like a real deal par, maybe a birdie putt. And she um, recorded the whole thing on her phone and sent me this video where she's like over the moon about it. And I was like, that's why golf is so awesome, right? Beginners remind you how much fun it is. And we play together all the time. And even when she was so bad and just getting, you know, just getting into it, every time she did a good, like she'd make contact and just be thrilled, right? And it's, it's like such a great reminder. Our yeah. Girl. She's a Gruder she golf is. girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is. Yeah. She she's is. improved dramatically. I'm really um, impressed. Yay. But how was she as a caddy? Right. Because that's very different than being right. a beginner so golfer. So you now know where she is in terms of her golf journey. And so by the time we hit September 2021, she's advanced a bit. But the first day that we get there, the flight was delayed. I wanted her to go check into the hotel so we got a good room while I did kind of the golf check-in process, like the player registration process, and then um, got ready for my tea time. And so that happened. And then when she came back to the golf course, she had no idea where she was going. She'd never been to a country club before. It's at this huge, gorgeous course called Berkeley Hall in Bluffton, South Carolina. So she walks up. She tells me this later. She like parks the car, walks up to like whoever she thinks is can give her information. She's like, hello, I have lost my golfer. Where is my golfer? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we were working with with Sam as a caddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we still joke well, about that well voted well for the weekend we still joke about that to this day if she can't find me she'll call me like hello where's my golfer <laughs> and i was just like player anything would have been better but it was it was very cute golfer. um so she did a very good job she she still has a grievance on the size of caddy bibs that the usga provides like they're one size fits all and sam is tiny mm-hmm. so uh they do not fit sam but yeah. it was mostly just her me the first three days, it was like a lot of me also managing my caddy in addition to my golf game it was like, don't walk there. Like, stop walking now. Could you rake this? You take the pit. <laughs> like that. So I, I think it was <laughs> it was probably good, honestly. It kept me focused on something else other than, you know, my golf game after we got over day one. But 
since then, you know, at the AMP, Sam was an absolute pro, was so fantastic. I would send her to the other side of a putt that someone else was hitting. I was like, okay, you watch from that side how much it breaks. I'll watch from this side. And she was like, generally helpful, which is awesome. Um, she helps me warm up now, checks my alignment and stuff. Like the, the improvement is dramatic. Wow. It's I'm so thrilled. I've trained her very well. Yeah. Wow. Oh, what a you quick know. learner. That's impressive. Quick That's like, and she skill. also breaks 90, like from the greens. She refuses to play the reds, the red tees. She just like thinks it's sexist and terrible, which is Sam's prerogative. And I think she should talk to, you know, anyway, I'm very happy for her. She's, it's great. But she breaks <laughs> 90s, like from the greens or the golds or whatever it is, like straight up. Yeah. Wow. Wait, how did she? Wow. How did she do that? Does she have tips? We're gonna have to have her on next. Does she have a coach? I mean, me. Yeah. So if Does we go practice, you sometimes there's certain shots. Yeah, you're yeah, coaching. Yeah, like certain her. chip. Sh- like she was just such a bad chipper. At a certain point, I was. We were like both practicing together, and I really should have been practicing myself. But I was like, we gotta fix this. Like I just can't watch these bad chips anymore. And so we'd go through it. I'd like show her. I was like, your ball needs to be here. Like put your hands a little bit forward, kind of like a little bump and run with a pitching wedge. Mm-hmm. Like just. Get on the green because she did the thing that a lot of amateur players do where you just grab your wedge for everything, which is maybe not the most effective route all the time. That's me. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's me too. Yep. I do. Yep. That's I do me. that. The variability was just like too wide. I couldn't watch it anymore. So. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what uh, happened. We should to play me more. Too. Some people say that yeah, makes it more exciting. Your cost per stroke ratios are. <laughs> Some may say. Some say That's it makes more it more exciting. exciting. I left two clubs, um, Aaliyah, before you got on. I was telling Kiki that I woke up. I don't, I'm don't. i not a morning person. That's why I'm so like shocked at your like 6 a.m. thing. I had a 7.10 tea time Whoa. on Saturday morning after like a big night out. And I was like absolutely out of it. But the way it relates to this story is that I left two of my wedges on one of the greens off my 60 and my yeah. approach wedge, which I call my attack wedge, my favorite, favorite wedge. And I just like didn't feel like going back to get them at all. And this was on like, oh. the third hole. And I was like, you know what? This is making me more creative with my uh, my sand wedge, which I never use. I don't even know why I was in the bag, actually, because it's not part of my newest set and my pitching wedge. I was like, you know what? This is making me a little bit more creative. How'd it go for you? So um, honestly, decent. <laughs> Putting was the problem because of the hangover slash being drunk still. Yep, and then again, that'll do it. Um, because I just had no feel, no feel whatsoever on the putting. Everything was sailing oh. right by, but I was happy to be awake, you, were you know, out there. And then actually at, at the end, I, um, like the starter was like, Oh, you, uh, you know, somebody left, you know, found these, these wedges. I know they're, they're yours. And, um, I was like, oh, okay, great. Thanks. And I took them and we were going in to have lunch. And then I, and I also had to use the bathroom oh, obviously God. because there's no bathrooms in the course ever. Um, and so I just left them actually in the bathroom and went to lunch and then they're still down at the clubhouse right now as we speak. So I'm going to have to get those next yep. weekend. <laughs> I left them, left them on the course and then left them in, inside the clubhouse. I had to call them today and be like, so, um, I think I left a couple of wedges in the bathroom on Saturday. <laughs> and the guy was like, uh, yep. I've got two Callaway wedges here. And I was like, those, yep. Those are them. Thank you. I'll see you. This I don't think. Like uh, what's what's more hilarious about that? The fact that you left them twice or the fact that they were in the bathroom. The bathroom, bathroom. Me, I mean, I don't think that they usually <laughs> find wedges. In the, it was probably the same group. Imagine the same group like finding the same two wedges, like going to the bathroom, being like, I just gave these to the starter. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with this girl? I love that. Sends it a little oh. too hard. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so yeah, so so those, yeah. Wedges, though. 
answers. They just always use them. Maybe leave them for this weekend. Just let them keep. It sounds like the universe is sending you a message that it's time to learn how to hit a bump and run with your nine iron. Yeah, honestly, probably. Actually, keep getting a nine iron. So no, I gave it back to you, Jen. Wait, when? Jen, I gave it back to you, Hooper. I don't think you did. I don't. I don't have it. I a thousand percent did. A thousand percent. Wow. All right. In your bag, it must be eight iron bump and runs. It is now. After this, I mean, yeah, I've been using my eight iron a lot, actually. (laughs) You know, I have like I have kind of like a half swing eight shot. It's like that's basically my nine. You know, you don't need all of your irons all the time. No, you you really. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people just take three or four clubs and go play, and I I haven't done that yet because I'm just still trying to hit them all fine. Um. But I think that would be fun. Maybe Gruder event. Three clubs. I think it's a good, yeah. like, creativity. Yeah, people love the three-club challenge. People love, like, a yeah. seven-iron challenge. It'd be a lot easier whatever. to travel on or, the you know subway. how, like, sometimes like, in, like – seven-iron in my whole bag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so anyway, let's get back to – let's get back to you because, you know, people hear me all the time. Um, but, so I want to hear a little Should bit about playing the- golf in New York City. What? Wait, what, what do you want to ask? Because oh no, let's ask that, and then I was going to say, should we ask the listener questions? We had some people yes. submit questions for you. <laughs> yeah, some of my friends said they yes. Did that. But the, so the difference golfing in Atlanta versus New York when you first got to New York, how you I don't even think it's that. comparable, and I I feel like a cheater even answering this question because <laughs> I just spent you know my like I said I canceled every trip back here because it's just so much easier to play with a car and a life. I hats off. I'm so impressed by anyone who gets into golf living in New York city, like Kiki in- incredible, you know, it, it is a feat taking the four <laughs> all the way up to like Woodlawn to go to Moshaloo, schlepping out to Skyway in Jersey, you know, Marine park, like out in Brooklyn. It's, it's, it's a journey and it's not even a journey to get to, you know, a perfect situation. Like you might be stuck behind a five sum and your round yeah. might take seven hours and you might get, you know, 13 holes in um it's it's really a challenge and I have so much respect for people who live in New York City and play golf I love saying that my home city is New York um in USGA events and tournaments I play in it's like that's right I'm here and I live in New York City um (laughs) it's it's really fun (laughs) but I am 100% cheating before the mid-am this year my clubs are just living in Atlanta and I'll be back there um pretty much Friday to Monday of the next two weekends before the tournament just because the tournament's in Florida this year, so I'm already used to southern conditions, Bermuda greens, things like that. So I didn't really see a huge reason to schlep them up to New York just to play kind of northeast golf. Um, but they'll be back after, yeah. and I'm I'm excited to play some northeast golf later this fall, the arguably most beautiful time to do it. So that'll be fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would to love play that. together. We should do that. That'll be fun. I want to come down so we cancel we an event. So this can be our event. We could meet because you're in Boston. Together. So we can meet halfway. <laughs> yeah. I've been really dying to play Yale. I, I have a lot of invite. good things about that. I have a friend who kind can of halfway, get us out there right? who's actually awesome. It's this girl who is took a – I think she may be a senior. But her name's Ami. And she created this app called Excel Golf because – in college and when you you play on a team like that, your coach makes you do this like obnoxious thing called stats, right? You're supposed to like – after your round, no matter how good or bad it was, you're supposed to take an hour to then input into a computer like how good or bad your round was. Yeah, because the an programs hour? were terrible. You would like have a, a sheet. Time. So you'd say like how far yeah. out you were. Then like did you miss the green, make the green? How long was your putt? Did you miss or make the putt? Like for every hole. So in college tournaments, when you're playing 36 in a day – 
you're then like inputting every hole takes about three minutes on the thing. Like it's a long time. So Ami made this great app where you get a fax, like a stat sheet that you then just scan with your phone and you can like upload it and have your stats. And she goes to Yale. So we should all go play with her and do stats. And, wow. you know, we should love them more. I'm going to learn about her app. I would love to see our stats. They would probably be so I funny. I mean, they'd be awesome. If we took stats, they would <laughs> be you'd know what hilarious. To Yours might be just keeping your clubs in your bag. I know. Yeah, true. That's. <laughs> I know. I'm yeah, I can kidding. know which I'm clubs get rid of. Like, just don't even <laughs> use that one ever. <laughs> well, that's like what I was using Arcos. I still have to put the Arcos on my new. Oh, my clubs. God. Someone had. I that's too much I information do, for me. I'm like. Well, that's the thing. I was told by one of my good friends, who's also actually a madam, um, champ Sue, Sue Curtin. Uh, she was like, "This is way too much information for you." And I was like, "Probably." <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> my computer just fell. Um, so yeah, I think happening. halfway at Yale that, that um, needs to happen. I would Amazing. love that. We'll play. Okay. Um, let's get some, some listener questions. Oh boy. So we we have a few. Okay. So we already asked about the home course, which I'm so glad that one. we kicked off on that. And actually, I want to. When we when we hang out in October, I'll, I'll need to hear all about it. It's a great I'm spot. Obsessed with Atlanta. Um, ah, I love it so much. Such a nice city. Everyone's so kind. Um, okay, so somebody wants to know. I forgot to write down who asked each of these questions. But oh. um, what does a week look like for you practice wise? Uh, great question. Which we kind of already went over at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's just it. Depends on where I am. If I'm, you know, in a place that's warm with a car. It means practicing in the morning. If I'm in New York, it means just like trying to squeeze five iron in at some point, trying to get out to Jersey, trying to get up to Moshlu, and really just the weekends. It's it's a, it's it's a it's a mix every week. No two weeks are the same. God, shout out Moshlu. How's the how's the construction coming along over there? Are they for the, for the range that's been yeah, under construction they... for like 15 years? Okay, is that how long it's going to be? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, oh, is it been that long? Oh, when Jen and I were there, we I was were like, really wow. suckered he by like, the yes, guy showing us the plans. Did you look at the it dates on the plans? No. I mean, I'm in real estate development, so I know that like dates are fake anyway. Because um, it's just time's a flat yeah. circle, you know? Um, 100%. But yeah, well, can't wait to see it in 15 years, you know? I'll, yeah, maybe I'll be a minute by then. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> that's, how I'll, that's how I'll know. Um, ooh, this is a good one. How is it? Um, this person wants some advice on being both a golf star and getting into McKinsey at the same time. I do know who submitted that question. Um, <laughs> How do you do it? Not a lot of sleep. No. Um, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think I was able to be successful because that was my goal coming into this grad program was I made a huge career shift. It's like I used to run around a TV set and now I get to work with Fortune 500 company leaders and help solve complex business problems, which is truly bananas. Um, the fact that anyone trust me to help answer any kind of a, a problem. Um, but I think just prioritization, right? It's like when you're prepping for a tournament, you're all in on that. And when you have goals, you're all in on those. And honestly, if I had not shot 83 that first day at the Mid-Am, I don't know if I would have gotten my job at McKinsey because I really prioritize golf over kind of the job search, which was coming up at the same time. And having such a bad day like that was a, a great wake up call for me to be like, you can't, you know, half-ass anything. If you really want something, it has to be your priority and you have to put the work in. So I, after the tournament, just focused on consulting, recruiting, and it's a, it's a really strenuous endeavor with a lot of time and strange casing interviews and things like that. So I think 
just learning how to prioritize and, and what success looks like when you're able to do that effectively was an incredible lesson. I, I learn life lessons from golf all the time, right? It's like when you hit a great shot and then it like hits the pin and then you're off the green, like in a divot, in a terrible lie. It, it's just, it's so classic, you know, you, you can't anticipate everything. You just have to be prepared and have a good attitude. And I, I'm really grateful for everything that I learned about myself um, while prepping for the mid-am and then being able to apply it in other parts of my life. It's like the sport is just humbling. It really is. Wow. I want you to like mentor me. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. <answer>. Seriously. <laughs> How do I become more like you? Um, <laughs> something goes wrong. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> um, That's allowed oh, to. But you only yeah, have like two well, minutes you know, to do that. And then you yeah, have you to need to emote, it. right? Yeah, That's an exactly. important thing. Um, oh, okay. This is um, from Jen Turk. And first of all, oh. she just loves you. And second of all, um, this is a good question. What's your current swing thought? Oh, so I went and saw my coach, my lovely coach Kip. I see him once a year. I saw him when I was in San Diego and he looked at me. I hit one golf ball and he was like, "Hmm, you're five inches too far from the ball. And Jen, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, how did I do that? Um, So my current swing thought is just like, where's the ball? Are you five inches too far from it? No, good. (laughs) Where's the ball? Too far, like, like I was really oh, reaching away. Like, yeah, I tried you to make be myself, closer to the ball, you know, longer. So oh, I, I thought it would make me hit it further. It really just made me hit hooks. That's yeah. a that's a good swing thought. Keep it simple. Mm. Yeah, love it. How do you measure yourself to be to be where you should be? Great question. He gave me a trick, uh, and I, I have a funny, quick story about this too. So if you're standing over the ball in your setup position and you just let your arms hang naturally, like they should. That's where the grip should be. That's where kind of it should fall. If you if you're moving your arm, so you know, hold the club in one hand, let the other one just kind of like wiggle. And if they're, you know, if it's like wiggling in the vicinity of your other hand, then you're in the right spot. If it's not, then you should you're either too close or too far. But uh, I played in a office golf tournament. The McKinsey Southern Office had a had a golf wow, tournament. I'd love to be a fly in the wall at that tournament. It was a blast. But <laughs> I played in a scramble a modified scramble with another associate and it's associates versus partners and we played against these two partners and one of them he had a great swing he just doesn't practice that much but I was like god if this guy just stood like four inches closer to the ball he'd rip it like everything was just kind of a toe push right and so I told my associate partner that and he was like and and I was like "I, I don't know this guy he's like partner in the office and I don't think I know him well enough to give him advice and we beat him on like the 15th hole um like we had our our points and so then on 17 green because we finished out the course we were playing the other associate like goes over to the partner and he's like oh like all day we has been saying you just stood a little closer to the ball like she thinks you hit it better and I didn't know that I was like I didn't know he said that so we get to the 18th tee box and this partner is like oh are you ready for this and he, he like scooches closer to the ball. He's like, how does that look? And I was like, oh, what? Ryan, that's actually great. Like, that's great. And I was like, your, your first <laughs> shot might not be awesome. It might take two swings. This might feel a little healy. He smacks the thing like 280 dead straight. And he just turns around and looked at me. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, all day. <laughs> he's like, I could have been doing that all day. And then the best part of this story is that that lovely partner uh, is about an 18 handicap. And so my plus three had to give him I ended up negotiating it down to 18 strokes the next day in a singles match after I had given him like the tip of his life. Oh. <laughs> really backfired ah. on me there. Oh. Oh <laughs> the other God. guy in our group that day. Oh, that's so good. He'd like hit a drive. He'd, he'd hit like about 70% of them 280 straight. 
And the other partner in the group would just look at me and be like, he's lying zero. And I was like, I, I hate this. So that's how I got, that's how I got ready for the mid-am this year. I gave, I gave a partner 18 strokes from the same tees and had to uh, try to beat him. That was fun. Wow. Okay. Now we Damn. definitely have to play together because I want to get better and I'm looking for a silver bullet. I'm not there you go. I just want someone to give me one little tip and for everything to just click into place. That yeah. And he was a good putter. I ended up, I lost the front nine, but I won the back in the match, but gosh, that was wow. a little infuriating. Every hole, give someone a stroke. It's like a 150 yard par three. Like you're lying zero on the green. Like, how is that fair? Anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It's ridiculous. Well, but, but because bad things happen to bad golfers. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't mean that you're going to, yeah. <laughs> like, that's why. That's true. That's <laughs> it's why. because like the odds of you actually playing poorly are pretty high. There are stats to prove but it. But it's like, you know? I've never yeah, been true. in that experience before where it was like, I, I, I was just waiting for him to do something bad. I was like, this is so weird because I can't control if he hits yeah, good like shots. tennis shot. golf or something. Yeah. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. It was a very unique. Ch- I hadn't been like that anxious or stressed on a course aside from like in USGA events. I was like, oh, this is fun. Imagine he was <laughs> playing against you. Playing against you was a probably runner up. He was probably out. like shitting himself. Yeah. I also, I wore. He definitely was. Well, when we were picking the matches because we did like a pairings party the night before to decide the singles matches, I told my team captain, I was like, give me anyone with a handicap like 10 or below. Like just not someone I have to give strokes to like every single hole. And of course the partner's like, we got to give her the highest handicap guy who like has a decent swing. <laughs> like classic oh, man. I wore my I wore my US Women's Am shirt so I had like the trophy on just to be extra intimidating oh, yeah because I'm really hell scary yeah. you know yeah you're, you're terrifying honestly <laughs> I mean like if you weren't so nice you would be terrifying on paper you're pretty terrifying I would say that's what exactly what the, the my <laughs> opponent said he was like god you're just so damn nice like it's hard to be <laughs> it's disarming it was fun we had a blast that was a good time oh that's amazing yeah um, oh, actually, so we got one uh, last-minute question okay. come in under the wire, um, and it is, who is your favorite golfer, and why is it Shane Caitney one Miss Liz Breed? Oh, <laughs> You know, I don't even think there's an answer for that. Just, like, you take one look at Liz, and you're like, oh, she's amazing. Like, favorite golfer of yeah, all time. Yeah, 100%. Sure. I, I just I, – it's there's there's no words for that, no. But Liz is fantastic. She's the true New York uh, golfer. I'm I'm the fake one now. <laughs> she she is Little Miss Brooklyn Golf. Hundred um, percent. But oh my God, Aaliyah, we could talk to you all night. Um, and we would, but I know you have like ice cream cone. I know we're approaching my bedtime. <laughs> and you have probably like home, so a lot of homework to get homework. to. Homework. Yeah, bet. we're back to school. I know you're you're preparing for the minute. I gotta go do my little putting drills in my yeah. Apartment. You gotta go to bed. <laughs> you gotta go to bed. Uh, but thank you so, so, so much for coming on. You're an absolute joy to speak with. Um, and hopefully we'll play golf together soon. And we'll also see you in October. A delight. I can't wait for all of those things. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I've never talked on a podcast before. I was very nervous. So this was a delight. What? <laughs> oh, my God. You're a natural. Such a natural. You did amazing. Such a natural. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Mwah. Dream um, guest. Good luck. Thanks. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Fingers crossed. I've been prepping as best I can. And obviously no expectations. But I'm really excited. I feel like I my game's in a better spot this year for sure than it was last year so excited and there's less holes with water left there's only three five with water right, right. so and, and we already know that which is great exactly oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in um Aaliyah, where can they find you on the internet or do you want to be found on the internet if i had a blue check mark and was private then maybe um <laughs> <laughs> you were stew <laughs> my instagram is just at Aaliyah if only yours too i know at Aaliyah clark I and know. yeah Stu, if you're listening 
we need to chat instead with of following me maybe just dm Stu and be like hey you should be friends with Aaliyah clark yeah, or you everybody should go on listening this right now dm you should be a DM guest on low expectations and say low expectations looking for you and also Aaliyah is looking for you as well i'll, so. I'll, I'll ask questions on low expectations like i'll it'll yeah, be a guest okay. host it'll be me asking Stu questions so you can a thousand percent come on if we get them on <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Starstruck. <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate the hell out of you. Um, until next time, hang loose, swing easy, and we'll, we'll see you out there. I had a swallow halfway. <laughs> you know, one of those things where you're just like, you swallow. Anyway, bye. Bye. Now I love you just the way I love that right now.